Good evening and welcome to another episode of Injured Reserve Podcast. This is your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. Folks, I appreciate everyone that's been listening in so far and been sticking with me since uh, you know I started this whole platform thing and trying to get this thing started. So let's just jump right into it, shall we? Uh, the biggest trend of this past week most definitely has, has to be uh, the 18-year-old freshman, the Duke star, uh, Zion Williamson. Uh, anyone that... Uh, hasn't heard of him i don't know how look him up uh phenomenal kid dude's a he's a freak of nature he's just out of this world uh, um he's definitely going uh he's he's first round pick no doubt about it um and the whole trend that's been going on this past week around him is uh whether or not uh, he's gonna if the freshman star is gonna call it quits uh there was a big rivalry this past week, past uh, Wednesday night. The Duke Blue Devils facing against North Carolina Tar Heels. And it's always been a big uh, traditional rivalry in college basketball. So with that being said, the, literally the first 36 seconds into the game, Zion Williamson goes down. Um, and it, it was just a sprained ankle, I believe, or sprained foot. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was severe, thankfully. Um, you know, and right now they're just kind of doing day to day. He's fine. It's nothing, it's nothing critical, but the problem lies is here's where a lot of people don't like and a lot. And personally, I don't like the rules. Well, so since about 2005, 2006, uh, NCAA implemented a new rule as this, the one and done rule, I guess you can say, I, I don't exactly not exactly sure if if they caught that but either way the one and done rule is this if uh, a player can uh, play one year has to play one year in uh, college basketball and then uh, they are allowed to go pro but the thing is is why I don't like is that this was never a thing back in the day it was never like really a big deal until back in like a, back in like 05 for some particular reason um obviously you see along the likes of like LeBron James who went straight from high school to pro and they did just fine uh Kobe Bryant uh Kevin Garnett you know uh some players like that they go from high school to pro and they do just fine um the the, the problem lies is that when you get a case like a Zion Williamson and he gets hurt and he's definitely projected to go not only first round, but possibly first round pick, uh, depending who gets that lot of, but most likely he'll go, he'll be first round first pick. And when he gets hurt, you know, and thankfully it was only a sprain, but when he goes down in someone like uh, a caliber like that and he gets hurt, the, his draft stock drops tremendously. Um, you know, it's it, for him personally. I don't blame him if he decides. You know what? I'm gonna sit out the rest of the season. I've I've worked too hard to get it, to get to this point. You know, I gotta do what's best for myself and the family. And I get that because truth be told, he probably could have gone pro uh, 
you know, straight out of high school from all his highlights that I've seen before he signed with Duke. So I heard of him before he signed, before he made his first initial commitment, signed with the Duke Blue, De- Blue Devils and meeting up with Mike Krzyzewski. So the thing is, is like, I, I try to be full circle when it comes to certain scenarios like this. I try to get everyone's perspective and get an idea and the way, you know, why they see things fit and the why, why they had this, uh, uh, this thought process. So if I was him, you know, uh, this big dude, uh, this, uh, he's six, seven, two eighty four. Um, if I were him, I won't blame him if he did sit out and his players, some of his players, it's reported that they do want to see him back. He did sit out, uh, in their recent victory against, uh, Syracuse in which Jim Boheme or Boheim, um, he recently had a, huge accident uh, auto accident in which um supposedly it was you know it was bad out no drug or alcohol content was involved uh the investigation is pending but right now it just looked like an accidental death in which Syracuse head coach jim was someone uh recently was involved in an auto accident or whatever it may be and uh the person the pedestrian got out the car on the highway for some reason and uh, uh, Syracuse's head coach Jim, he I guess supposedly the reports he tried stopping and he slid and he struck this young man and uh, that was it. You know, it's just it was one of those things that was a you know a freak accident. It's very unfortunate and it's it sucks to you know I can't imagine for him yet alone the family. So it's just it was just a wrong place, wrong type of time. You know what I mean? Especially, you know, in Syracuse and around this time of the year, the roads aren't great. It's bad. It's hard to see sometimes. You know what I mean? So, uh, but uh, it's very unfortunate. It's prayers out to him and his family. But not to get too far off track, Zion Williamson sat out against Syracuse. Duke won uh, just fine against Syracuse. So, you know, as we move further uh, week by week, March Madness is soon upon us. I don't know. It's going to be interesting what Zion decides to do. If he does decide to sit out, I again, like I said, I do not blame him. Um, and even um, right now is... Uh, uh, excuse me, I'm retracting my steps a little bit, but... All I know is uh, Mike Strzeski said, uh, he uh, quoted a couple days ago, we would never play a kid who's not ready. He's like, we would never play a youngster who didn't want to play. It's not about that. He wants to play. He loves being at Duke. Uh, he doesn't like being injured. Uh, it's an injury you can get uh, over in a shorter period of time. That's just protocol that we have to go through to make sure he's completely ready. We're not rushing anything, so that's why we said day-to-day because it's literally day-to-day. Um, uh, in the locker room, players seem hopeful that Williamson would eventually return. But uh, with that being said, uh, you know, uh, Mike Krzyzewski, as we all know, uh, arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time. Probably, uh, my opinion, probably the the GOAT when it comes to head coaches in college basketball. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, he looks out for his players nonetheless. He knows what he's doing, and he doesn't want to put any of his players in a compromising position, especially when it comes to uh, risking their own future 
when uh, someone along the likes of Zion has a big future in the NBA. But uh, with that being said, um, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting how things pan out. No, no doubt about it. Uh, and I think even even ever since that injury that happened on Wednesday, NCA ruled that this is now they're uh, pending on changing the the age that you know they'll go back to the old school way. Of players can you know if they want take a chance of getting drafted in the NBA from straight out of high school. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they said that has totally no relation over the Zion Williamson thing, which which is pretty much bullshit. That's just my, my agenda on it. Ever since Zion got hurt, uh, you know, ESPN reported, it was just like, hey, you know, NCAA's decided whether or not to change the age from, uh, you know, uh, they don't have to do one-year mandatory in college basketball, even though it has nothing to do with Zion Williamson, even though we know that's not true because you literally just did it the day after. So that being said, um, I hope Zion Williamson recovers quick, or uh, not quick, but just recovers just fine, comes back healthy, stronger than ever. He has a great future in the NBA, 6'7", uh, or 6'8". Here is it. Um, Six seven two eighty four. It, none, nonetheless, this this kid is phenomenal. He's fun to watch. Uh, bright future ahead of him. Um, a lot of people don't like to say he's so and so next this next that. I, th- I think he is the next LeBron James. There is no. I mean, just just wait. You know, and if anything, he could be more successful when it comes to uh, championships and accomplishments. But we'll see. You know, LeBron has done so much for the sport of the NBA. He's, and, um, but, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's too early to tell, but he does have that LeBron James-esque, uh, I guess you can say, when it comes to uh, his aura and his impact and uh, the amount of media that he's getting. Not as much as LeBron had out of high school, but it's it's close. It's get, it's it's he, he got a lot of attention out of high school, uh, junior senior year. LeBron was getting it straight out of freshman year, I think. It was if something crazy like that. So, but uh, with that being said, I wish Zion Williamson the speedy recovery. I hope he's going to do great things. Whoever drafts him is going to drastically change the franchise. No doubt about it. But with that being said, uh, you are listening to Injury Reserve Podcast. Uh, I'm going to take a quick little break, and uh, I'll talk to you all back shortly. Welcome back to Engine Reserve Podcast. This is your host, Mitchell Anderson. And so, uh, the Lakers fell short again last night, um, losing to New Orleans, the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, a team that's uh, five games below 500. Anthony Davis uh, sat out that game last night. LeBron James, uh, after the game, was saying... Uh, how his team lacks sense of urgency. Uh, basically, I think LeBron James has come to the point where, you know, there's about 23, 24 games left in the season for them. They are two games below or behind, however you want to call it, 
Sacramento Kings, who had a solid win against Oklahoma City Thunder as well. And, um, you know, the Kings sit, sit at the ninth seed. So, you know, L.A., they're stuck at 10. LeBron isn't, you know, it's rare for him to being on the losing side or lose more than usual. Um, the last time he's missed the playoffs was back in like 06, which was like his second year in the NBA. And then ever since then, he's made the playoffs every single year, you know, and he's just been saying, he's like, I'm not accustomed to losing. And he thinks, I wouldn't say maybe it's a theory, but from what he sees in the locker room right now, is that some of the players on his roster are accustomed to just losing, that they're comfortable with it. For him, that doesn't make him comfortable. So he thinks some of the young players and the young talent that they got, they get that they're they lack that sense of urgency. So they don't like to feel uncomfortable when putting, you know, in uncomfortable tasks. So they're fine with where they're at. They're they're fine with meteorocracy, basically. So with that being said, you know, this is going to be a big uh, eye-opener for the upcoming 2019 offseason. This is how I see it. If I'm a Lakers fan, right, this is just my personal agenda. If I'm a Lakers fan, I'd be like, you know what? It's a lost cause. We're tenth seed. I'm not saying we can't make the playoffs. We can still make a run with 20-some-odd games left in the season. But is it really worth it? Say at best we get a 7th or 6th seed. Or if we barely make it and get an 8th seed, right? It's just a one and done type of ordeal. It's the Western Conference. This is totally new. Everything, this is all becoming new to LeBron James. This isn't the Eastern Conference where, you know, he can make, he'd be like, all right, whatever, you know, and then step on the pedal near the end of the season, you know, and uh, teams are, you know, they get that, uh, I guess you could say some teams get that Mike Tyson effect, vice versa when it comes to LeBron James. It's like when, whenever he faced Toronto, Toronto just was petrified of LeBron James. They psychologically would already lose the game before tip-off. So this is different. Western Conference, the Wild Wild West, (laughs) it's different. Golden State, Houston, Oklahoma City, uh, man, the, uh, San Antonio, they don't care who you are. They operate as an organization, as a team. And when you when you go to L.A. and he's trying to build something there uh, and set the standard and make one last run before he, you know, he calls it quits and rides off into the sunset, I think for him, I think I would basically rest. Here's why. Three re- there's uh, there's three key players that are going into the offseason. Four, or let me say, three players going into the offseason that are that uh, two of them you could possibly grab. Possibly, f- you know, maybe four players. Let, let me reiterate that. So, Kyrie Irving, obviously, there's rumors of him possibly rejoining with LeBron. So that's a possibility. 
Anthony Davis, I'm pretty sure that's a sure thing. That's a sure like. They'll grab him in the offseason. They'll trade the boat. They'll trade the house. They'll trade the picks. They'll trade everything L.A. has. They'll trade, you know what I mean? The Lakers uh, will, uh, Magic Johnson's going to offer anything and everything for Anthony Davis. They'll grab him. Cool. Another option, Kawhi Leonard. There's rumors that, hey, you know what? He's cool in Toronto. It just ain't him. Doesn't want to stay there. Doesn't want to make a career there. Question is, which L.A. is he going to? Supposedly, he wants to be his own guy. He wants to be his own man. It's just not the right location where he's at right now. He doesn't like the cold. Wants to go to L.A., but he doesn't want to go to the Lakers. He wants to be his own guy. So maybe the, the Clippers then, or maybe Sacramento. Who knows? Another reason is Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson supposedly, you know, doesn't like to be in the shadow of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Doesn't get a lot of, you know, spotlight or showtime. Uh, you know, so there's possibility of that. You know, after this year, who knows? Uh, I, my prediction as far, I think a lot of people, Golden State will win it again. And then I think they'll cut ties. You know, it's just... Uh, the, the end of the era of the quote-unquote Splash Brothers, but, you know, the Splash Brothers kind of got, like, dwindled once the Rancho got there. So, but uh, with that being said, uh, we'll see what happens there. Another option, Kevin Durant. Now, I don't think Kevin Durant's going to join L.A. because I, th- I really think if I'm a Knicks fan, I'm pretty ecstatic. They got rid of Persingas. They traded a few people, clearing up some cap space, gets that, get that money rolling in, in New York. You know, by, you know, Madison Square Garden, Kevin Durant, and I think they're going to try. I really think um, best case scenario for the Knicks fans, I think they'll grab Durant and uh, maybe Kyrie or uh, maybe um, maybe they'll get a wild card somewhere down the line in the offseason. Uh, maybe Jimmy Butler, who knows, or Kembe Walker. But with that being said, the Knicks, I think they'll re- I think they'll grab Durant. Um, with that being said, <coughs> uh, Laker fans, hey, call it, it is what it is. Y'all, y'all landed LeBron James. You made a few highlights here and there, but it was just, it was a the writing is on the wall for who for who y'all had. Your best chance was early this year. Your best chance if you really wanted a championship was to you know. Grab Anthony Davis a couple weeks ago, and you couldn't get the job done. I think eventually you will get the job done. Just Pelicans were meh on it. They're going to ride it out. So uh, with that being said, um, you know, LeBron James, just take the rest. He's played, and God, uh, God, since he's been making the playoffs since his third season. Oh, God, looking it up. He's played in 239 playoff games in his career. That is a lot of playoff games. That's a lot of minutes. It's a lot of time, especially for a 15, 16-year veteran as much as LeBron James. And uh, as many playoff games as he played in his career, um, 11 other Lakers that have seen the court Saturday have played 289 combined. Keep in mind, 11 players combined for 289 playoff games compared to one man that's played 239 playoff games in his career. So let that sink in. So, you know, I think it's just take some time off, you know, uh, lick your wounds, 
heal, relax, enjoy LA a little bit with the family, and then uh, go back to the drawing board. I'd be like, all right, I want this, this, and this. So I grab Anthony Davis and uh, poss- possibly Clay Thompson. I think they might be able to sneak Clay Thompson, but we'll see. And uh, I think uh, New York, they'll grab uh, Durant and either probably Kyrie, but I don't, eh, I'm not too sure yet. And then uh, Kemba Walker. So <coughs> that's just my predict, my early 2019 offseason prediction so far. But nonetheless, uh, Laker fans, uh, you got a solid future when it comes to free agency in the 2019 offseason. Uh, it's not going to be long term because we all know LeBron has probably one more or maybe two years left a prime LeBron. But I think one more year you're going to see the dominant LeBron. And after that, it's he'll start dwindling. He'll go from uh, whatever he uh, his, his average is of 28 and so and so. He'll dwindle to about 22, you know, 20, you know, even yeah. Even like, even Superman gets tired. You know, it, it happens. You know, it's it's not hate. It's just hey, Father Time is undefeated, no doubt about it. But uh, Lakers, uh, that, as a Lakers fan, I hope y'all are just tank. That's just my, that's just my agenda. But hey, there's a lot of hardcore Laker fans out there that I know that have high hopes and really think they can make a run at it. But I'd be like, eh, no, you don't. Not in the Western Conference. Not with a roster like that. Uh, Lonzo Ball has proven to be a bust. Uh, this is the second season, and he's still averaging 40% from the field, 40% from the free throw line. Uh, his father is a distraction. I love his father. I do. I think he's a great dude, and he has uh, some eccentric confidence, no doubt about it. But uh, Lonzo Ball needs to go, and uh, even his own father's making demands for where he wants his son to go then if they do trade him, which is he needs to understand something he's not the one that's allowed to be talking neither is his son i want to go here and here it's like okay but that's great but you haven't proven anything to have that right you're only in your second season you're averaging 40 percent from the field you're shooting a free throw from 40 percent as a point guard and you're barely averaging 10 points a game you know it's just it's it he's 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 a bust the Lakers fell into the trap of LeVar Ball, and they bought into the hype. And it was just, you know, it is what it is. So it's, it's all going to come down to which team wants Ball and wants uh, LeVar to be that distraction for the team, basically, because that's what it's come down to. I, I don't think LeBron thinks that or says that, that uh, when it comes to his perspective, but I think he's just like, you know what, uh, I, he's a distraction. He needs to go. So, uh, with that being said, I think that's the whole scenario for L.A. right now. Uh, they're a 10th seed in the Western Conference, and if they do grab an 8th seed, cool. They'll get swept in the first round 4-0. So, but that, with that being said, um, I'm going to take a quick little break, and you are listening to Engine Reserve.
This is Engine Reserve. Welcome back. Uh, so, um, about a week or so away, March 2nd, UFC 235. John Jones makes his return to make in uh, to defend his light heavyweight championship against Anthony Smith. Um, that's the main event, the co-main events, Tyron Woodley against a uh, Kamaru Asaman. Uh, I'm terrible pronouncing people's names, but it's for the welterweight championship. Uh, nonetheless, uh, solid card. Robbie Lar takes on Ben Askren, who people who don't know Ben Askren. Has been notorious, you know, for being um, one of the top top welterweights in the world. Uh, this is his UFC debut. He's very, uh, he's been known to, how can I say this? In Bellator, one championship, and other brands, he's, you know, he's dominated the sport. Uh, he's, he's 18, he's, he's 18 and 0 with one contest. And uh, it was, uh, uh, no contest due to accidental eye poke. So, the the dude is for real. Um, finished uh, 11 out of the 18 fights. So it's really it's gonna. I, I'm rooting for him because I hate the, this false narrative. Um, Dana White uh, likes to hype it up a lot. UFC is a solid brand. It's great and it's cool and it's a very popular brand. But and I respect all the fighters that are in it. it is not the top brand when it comes to the world's greatest fighters in the world it, it, it's po- it's the most popular brand i'll give you that but when dana white says you know we get all the best populars in the world to fight in one you know one i've gone under one brand that's not true because it's been proven to be false over time bellator are some of the best fighters in the world uh <coughs> one championship um world series of fighting other brands uh you know that have these fighters they have some of the best fighters and the best talent in the world as well they're just not under the ufc brand you know you notice the shift some fighters like to go off in other brands because they just don't like how the you know the brand operates so and they in some of those fighters that leave are some of the best in the world you know what i mean uh, so, uh i.e benson henderson or uh rampage jackson um trying to think of a few others but yeah ryan bader hell ryan bader is easily he's top five fighters right now pound for pound i don't care what any of the rankings uh, the rankings have it a little bit different uh, it's similar to mine uh but according to uh, espn.com that they're pound for pound fighters um i believe it's it's daniel cormay uh, no, excuse me. That's uh, that is the heavyweight. Uh, but their their best pound for pound is John Jones, Daniel Cormier, Khabib Nurmagomedov, uh, Max Holloway, and Tyron Woodley. That's totally. I totally disagree with that. I do. Um, for me personally, uh, I would I would agree. Uh, all with which I would put John Jones, then Ryan Bader, then I would have. Khabib, then Cormay, and then probably, uh, I would probably have, I wouldn't say so much, uh, number five, it's a close one, I don't think I would have Holloway or Woodley up there though, to be honest with you, but, um, it's a coin toss, whoever's up there next, um, probably someone from, I mean, 
Bellator has a lot of good fighters, but honestly, maybe possibly Ben Askren because he's he's 18 and always beating everyone you could think of that hasn't been the that has that used to be in the UFC or isn't. You know, he's beaten along the likes of Jay Heron and Nick Thompson and Shania Oki. So these are guys that are top brand fighters as well. A lot of people that just don't watch MMA assume these are a bunch of nobodies. So, so with that being said, the fact that Ryan Bader isn't in the top five for pound for pound is is embarrassing. So, but uh, it, it is what it is, you know. So, uh, but UFC does not have the best fighters in the world. Bellator does, one FC or championship. Uh, World Series of Fighting. There's a lot of great fighters under a lot of random promotions that are, that are that are just as good as any other fighter in the UFC. You know, the UFC is just a very popular brand. You know, so uh, it's no disrespect to any of the fighters on the brand or on the roster. It's just you know, there's I just hate the false narrative that Dana White you know says we have the best fighters come under you know fight under one brand that's very false uh Dana has you know he said a lot of blasphemy things he said Fedor Emelianenko is one of the most overrated fighters of all time and yet he proved him wrong because he beat some of the best UFC heavyweight uh fighters that, that decided to go fight in pride or um uh strike force or whatever uh, Fedor's beaten those guys. He's he's beaten Andre Vlasky, who was a former UFC heavyweight champion. He's beaten Frank Mir, former UFC heavyweight champion. He's beaten Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira, who's one of the top five UFC heavyweights during, uh, at the time. Um, he's beaten um, God, I how I, I don't have the list in front of me, but he's beaten a solid amount of fighters that used to be in the UFC. You know what I mean? So, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, something else, uh, for when someone says, like, Dana White isn't, uh, you know, I, and I get it, he's a UFC president, and he, he has favoritism, but it's, uh, it's just, it doesn't make it right, but, uh, UFC 235, March 2nd, um, this Anthony Smith, um, Coming off a solid run, he's, uh, uh, excuse me, <coughs> Anthony Smith, 6'4", 205, 31 and 13, uh, 28 uh, of his wins, uh, 28 out of his 31 wins have been by um, by finishing by either knockout or submission. Uh, the problem is, is that... <laughs> He doesn't have the best chin. Uh, uh, his 13 losses, he's lost eight of them by knockout or by submission. So we're we're either gonna see a finish. It's gonna we're gonna I th- we're gonna see a finish. And I I really don't have much high hopes for Anthony Smith. Um, you know it's um, he's he's beaten uh, Rashad Evans and Mauricio Shogun Rule and uh, this Vulcan, I can't pronounce the last dude's name, but either way, he's not a three-fight win streak. So with that being said, uh, he's got a lot of momentum going in, but I don't think it's going to be enough to take on John Bones Jones. Uh, he's just, he's out of this world. Um, it's just, we're going we're gonna to see John do John, and uh, hopefully it isn't, uh, you know, things turn out smooth. Uh 
after the fight and no scandals, no failed drug tests. So hopefully that's, you know, but, uh, well, uh, hopefully John has fully turned things around because only, the only person right now in the world that can beat John Jones is John Jones. And then Tyron Woodley against this, uh, God, this, uh, Kamaru Yusaman. He is, uh, up and coming. He's 14 and one. And he's beaten uh, along the likes of Rafael Dos Anjos and Damian Maya. So he's beaten a, a noticeable amount of guys in the welterweight division of the UFC. But uh, knowing Tyron Woodley, he's a... Uh, he's a... Uh, Tyron, you're not going to see a lot of oohs and ahs from Tyron. But Tyron Woodley, he's very strategic. You know, and all his, a lot of his moves are calculated. So, and he's a great wrestler. He's 19-3, and three, you know... <clears throat> He, he, his last, uh, he's, he, he submitted Darren Till back in September of 2018. He's beaten Damian Maya, Stephen Thompson, uh, uh, Robbie Lawler, Gavin, Gavin Gassel. So, I mean, his last, his last loss was back in June of 2014. So he's run hot for the past five years. Um, ever since he won the belt back in 2016, he's, he successfully defended it, um, four times so he's he's riding high high as well and i think uh you know he's just gonna he's just gonna grind things out like i said he's he's a strategic fighter so and you know there's nothing wrong with that it's just i don't it's not gonna be an exciting fight that's all and then robbie lar against ben Askren. i think ben Askren uh shuts up a lot of the people because uh, again like i said uh it's like oh he's fought in this brand this brand but how about the ufc and again just because you fight under UFC don't make you one of the best in the world. <coughs> There's a lot of fighters out there that can be just dangerous than any other fighter. All it takes is one slip up in a move and you're submitted or, you know, one one counter punch and it's over. So we're all human. Um, Robbie Lahr coming off a of Rafael DeSanio loss. Um, he's one in three in the last three fights. One of them did include Tyron Woodley. So I think I think Ben Askren uh, checks the world. I think he uh, even perhaps finishes the fight as well. <coughs> Excuse me, but that is not until March second, and so uh, that is uh, that. <coughs> Excuse me, that is this uh, this coming Saturday actually. <coughs> Excuse me. But with that being said, that's UFC 235 uh, this upcoming Saturday. And then uh, the recent news, besides Deion Williamson and LeBron James, a former UFC alum that just recently retired was George St. Pierre. And uh, he retired. And I think when people, you know, mention George St. Pierre, he's along, he's kind of like, you know, Tyron Woodley. He didn't, you didn't get a lot of oohs and ahs from him. Um, I mean... Minus, I mean, I will say it was amazing and very impressive how he came off a four-year hiatus, came back in November of 2017, and submitted Michael Bigsbing uh, by rear naked choke, <laughs> uh, and won the in his middleweight debut. By the way, he moved up. He went because so he always fought in welterweight. That was 170. He moved up in weight, so he gained 15 pounds. And all while he hasn't fought in four years to fight Michael Biggs being for the UFC middleweight championship, and he won. 
and you could tell <laughs> he was gassed though <coughs> excuse me uh george st pierre was gassed <coughs> michael biggs being sure to won that fight but George St. Pierre, his heart, it's something else because he was able to submit Michael Bigsbing and he choked him out. Bigsbing didn't tap. He he, he his eyes were rolled out and that was it. Uh, he finished his career 26 and 2. His only two losses were against a, a Matt Syria and uh, a Matt Hughes. <coughs> other than that, I mean he's he's beaten the best of the best when <coughs> during that time. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. <clears throat> well, anyhow, um, you know, I think uh, he, George St. Pierre is definitely, uh, he's top 10. Um, I th- it, it may be top 5. Uh, it's, it's, but it, I don't know. It's, it, he'll be eclipsing that top 5 or honorable mention, perhaps. Um, the thing is, is just like I said, he's, him and Tyrell Woodley are similar. You're not going to get a lot of excitement, a lot of knockouts. Uh, I mean, Besides uh, the Michael Biggs being fight, you take that out of the equation, and um, his, his all his title defenses, um, uh, his uh, his last let's see, his last seven fights besides the Michael Biggs being fight before he made his comeback were all by decision. They were all by decision, <laughs> and the, his last finish, besides Michael Bigsming, was January of 2009. That's how far we got to go back, 10 years ago. So, uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's he, he's It's like Floyd Mayweather. A lot of people are mad because they pay a lot of money to see the fight. It's like, what do you expect? He's very calculated. He's defensive fighter. He's not going to go for the blow. He's not going to go blow for blow. He's not going to try and get a knockout. He's strategic. He's faster when he's on the de- the defense. He's going to make the fighters chase. That's how GSP is. He's just going to score points. A few jabs, a few kicks, a few whatever. You know, maybe a takedown, and that's it. He's going to grind it out. He's going to get the W10-8 unanimous, unanimous decision, 30-27 or whatever. You know what I mean? So it is, it, and like I said, I, I think... That's why I probably just have my top 10. He just, he, he didn't stick out that much. And, you know, he was during the era of Anderson Silva when he was making his reign at middleweight and GSP was making his reign at welterweight. So, and Anderson was a little bit more funner because he was entertaining. And uh, it's, and perhaps is a little bit biased because, yeah, it's just, you know, some fighters just aren't like that and that's fine. But uh, nonetheless, George St. Pierre, definitely one of the greatest of all time. When it comes to mixed martial arts, and uh, he's definitely top ten, uh, top five. I- I'll let y'all, the the audience, decide that. But uh, with that being said, um, I'm gonna take a quick little break, and you are listening to Injured Reserve. Welcome back to Injured Reserve and the final segment of the day. Man, so I like this whole idea of the American, or excuse me, the Alliance of American Football. Um, you know, I, uh, it, it got founded around this time last year, back in March actually. 
And I like the whole idea of it, like basically being what the Alliance of American Football is for people that, you know, that aren't too sure about it. Uh, they, they just finished week three. The Alliance of American Football is just the minor leagues, but for, you know, um, football players, you know, some uh, they, they, they're trying to help build other players that are still looking for work or jobs or whatever and if they can't cut it in the pros this is their you know this is where they can uh jump on the wagon you know and um it was founded by charlie ebersall and bill pullian and for people who don't know this back at home charlie ebersall is dick ebersall's son dick ebersall was one of the key creators of the xfl when he was co-founded with vince mcmahon so with that being said dick ebersall you know eventually we all know how the xfl did and its demise charlie ebersall got <laughs> ironically enough charlie ebersall got uh, influenced after he made uh, the the documentary of this was the XFL for 30 for 30 and he mentioned the idea and uh, Bill Polian uh, was on board as well so Bill Polian who he is he's the he was the general manager of the Buffalo Bills during the 90s when they had that stretch of going the four Super Bowls so you know there's a lot of creativity that was involved after that, getting former NFL players like Heinz Ward, former Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver, uh, Justin Tuck, former defensive end for the Giants and Raiders. Um, you know, so I, I just like the whole idea and the premise. Like, they, they want to help rebuild character for the players that didn't quite make it in the pros and try and get them back on their feet. You know what I mean? So... I, I just like the idea. It's just it's minor league. It's something the it's something cool to watch during the off season, and you know it's just it's a lot of fun and it's different and it's a little bit more gritty because I saw you know there's a few plays you see out there, and it's just like that's got to be a penalty, right? And they won't throw a flag. They just like the boys play, so it's very interesting and it's it's fun to watch and. You might notice a few players that, you know, that are on these teams. Uh, Trent Richardson, he's playing right now. He's actually, um, he's uh, leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Um, uh, there's, uh, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> um, yeah. What's his name? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the quarterback out of Texas. Uh, Garrett Gilbert, they, that, that's who it is. Uh, Garrett Gilbert, uh, of those who don't know, Garrett Gilbert at the time <laughs> rose to promise on making his very first college debut in the national title game against Alabama. Colt McCoy got hurt and he sat out the rest of the game. And the, <laughs> the backup quarterback was a young 18 year old freshman, as in Garrett Gilbert. Uh, so he's in there, he's leading the league in passing yards. Um, Zach Mettenberg, for those who may remember him, Zach Mettenberg was a quarterback for Boise State um, when they had that big upset against Oklahoma Sooners <laughs> back in like 2008. Uh, so yeah, he's still playing as well. Um, Matt Sims, the, uh, Christian Hackenberg. Um, so yeah, uh, a couple. Of, they got a few players that you know that if they didn't quite make it. And, when it comes to the draft or got cut this is their rebound this is you know this is how things can pan out for them to revive their career or whatever what's cool about this 
is the rules. The rules are very fair. Um, there is no extra points, though. Uh, every team has to do a two-point conversion, which I kind of like. I can't lie. Eccentric, but I like it. Um, also, uh, it's cool because these players, if they get called up from a pro NFL team, they can go whenever, wherever. You know what I mean? They don't have to stay. You know, they get, they're under contract, but they can move up if they want to. They want they want these players to succeed and make it back into the NFL, if possibly, if that's what if that's what their goal is. And so I like that. You know, so it's uh, very pr- player friendly, and they want these players to succeed. And with that. With that premise in mind, I think the NFL is going to be very more supportive of it, especially when they got a lot of uh, former NFL players and general managers on board as well. Um, So I, I, I just I hope it turns out to be very successful. Um, you know, and just I, I hope it, it it does very well for the first season. Um. Excuse me, uh, but yeah, uh, the Ameri- uh, the Alliance of American Football, it's 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 cool. Um, uh, the kind of contracts that uh, that are provided is that um, each player uh, signed a three year contract is worth two hundred fifty thousand dollars, with a seventy thousand dollars salary in twenty nineteen, with performance based on based in fan interaction incentives, allowing for players to earn more. So I like that. Um, and the uh, like I said, man, it's just the league is prayer player friendly. Um, it's just it, it's it's fun to watch. Um, so I I hope uh, it pans out well for them. And honestly, if I was uh, at this point, if I was uh, if I was Vince McMahon, I would call it quits on the XFL idea. Uh, Vince McMahon's trying to to bring back the XFL. And I don't know why. Um, once uh, they, because they made this, <coughs> they made this announcement, and shortly after Vince made the announcement for the XFL, and that's a terrible idea. I don't know why. Like maybe he's trying to, um, maybe he's trying to have the same premise. I don't know. But as far as I know, the first time they did the XFL, they they wanted their own brand. They wanted to compete with the NFL. So if that's if that's what their idea is, they're gonna fold again. It, like you know what I mean. So it's just that players don't want. There's only one. We all know like the league is the NFL, and that's it. You know what I mean. So uh, the Amer- the Alliance of American Football is the minor leagues, and they wanna. It's it's prayer prayer friendly, prayer player development, player growth, all that. Just so these guys can get back on their feet and hopefully go go pro again. And I love that idea. And it's fun to watch during the offseason. Uh, during the NFL offseason, I should say. So, hopefully they come back for a second season. Hopefully this does well. I like it. <coughs> so, but uh, with that being said, I appreciate all you guys listening in. Uh, with that being said, this is Andrew Reserve. Uh, Mitchell Anderson, I am signing off. And I hope you all have a great week.